So for my story time, it should be known that I have many, many stories about my deranged, estranged, weird love connection life things. Yeah. So I figured I should tell one because I have a million. <laughs> but I'm going to start off with one that's more embarrassing for me than it is for the person involved, I would think. Most of my stories are like unrequited loves from the other side. <laughs> this one is different though. So I used to work at GameStop, as I've mentioned before, for like 10 years. And there's something kind of funny, weird about me. I don't recognize faces. Now, when I say that, people always ask like, well, then how do you know who's who? I had, I have like a catalog in my head where I have, I know people from certain places and I know general information like age, genders, and so forth. And then I add details to that. And that's how I identify people, which sounds really weird. And most people don't notice. It's fine. But every now and again, it really fucks me up <laughs> because I'll remember a detail about someone that can only be like, I'll, I do a lot with teeth. I'll remember like placement of teeth. So if they don't smile at me, I don't see that, right? Or I'll do like, I do, okay. I do all the general information, right? And then I have two details that are common. So it'll usually be like eye color or something slightly more unique. Like if they're like half Italian and half Asian, I'm like, well, that's a, that's an identifier right there. It's like, that's kind of that's <laughs> that's, unique. Yeah, that's pretty hard to dispute. Yeah, so, and then I do really, two really specific details. So that'll be like their lateral incisors turned inward. Like, it's, like, really specific like that to where, like... That is very specific. <laughs> I know who that person is when that happens, right? So, there's a few stories about where this has just fucked me up. <laughs> but this one in particular, I was working just a normal day, and a guy came in, and he had, like, long, red, really beautiful hair that he had, like, in a tight ponytail. And we talked about Dragon Age for, like, two hours, and I was flirting with him a lot. <laughs> and it was great, wonderful. Like, he checked out, we, he left, and I was like, oh, that was nice. And so later, I'm working a midnight, which this happened to be a midnight for technically a Call of Duty game, but Lego Lord of the Rings came out and I won a competition for it. So I dressed up for Lego Lord of the Rings at this Call of Duty midnight. <laughs> I dressed up as Galadriel, which caused a bunch of issues. But anyway, <laughs> as it would, as it would. <laughs> so uh, this guy came in and like he gave me like a like a familiar smile. He didn't show me his teeth. And I like, God damn it, he knows me. But who, mm. <laughs> like he's been in here. He's kind of cute. Ah, God damn. I like, I pretended like, you know, nothing was amiss. Like, yeah, great. Blah, 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 talking to him. And then he smiled and like, he was the one I remembered the lateral incisor. And I noticed him went, oh, <laughs> like it just beamed on me. Cause the other thing I remembered him was for his hair. He cut it. <laughs> so I didn't know who he was. <laughs> and like that light went off and he saw it. And I guess he was self-conscious about his teeth. And so he instantly, like, frowned. And I was like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. I, I was like, I totally didn't remember you, but, like, I think you're really cute. You don't have to be upset about your teeth. And now I'm really embarrassed, and you should go wait in line. <laughs> so he went, and he just, like, walked off from me, like, wanting to slam my face in the counter. Where I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> I messed this up. I messed this up. The beautiful man with red hair. <laughs> he chopped it So this is my, like, first awkward encounter with this guy. <laughs> I didn't think anything of it after that. I was just like, you know, whatever. It's in the wind. It's gone. I don't have to remember this incident. And there's a Panera right up from where I work. And I went there for lunch. And guess who was there? Apparently he worked there. <laughs> and I went, oh, hey. And he like pointed, he like kind of looked at me and went, oh yeah, the GameStop elf. 
I was like, well, when you say it like that, it sounds like I didn't get you your Christmas gifts on time. Like, not the legendary Galadriel like I was. <laughs> and he kind of laughed, and then he gave me a free latte. <laughs> I was like, okay. So, maybe we're cool. <laughs> maybe this will work. So, I kept like, going there for lunch because I wanted to see him. I was like, someone should hit on each other. But what happened was we were both like, we'd only see each other when the other one was working. And you don't really want to, like, ask someone out or hit on them when they're working because they're working. And, like, it's rude if they tell you to fuck off. <laughs> but you want to allow them to, like, be able to say that. So we kept just meeting in those points where he'd come into GameStop and I'd be working. And I'd be like, I just started my shift. <laughs> like, I can't leave. And then he'd be the same. He's like, I'm the only manager on duty. <laughs> so this happened for, like, months. <laughs> we just, like, periodically see each other and be like, hey, and be really awkward. <laughs> just wasn't meant to be. It wasn't <laughs> happening. And, like... <laughs> We didn't even learn each other's names for the longest time. We were just, like, referring to each other by awkward nicknames in passing. And finally, like, I just decided, I'm like, fuck it. Like, he's putting in effort. I'm putting in effort. Obviously, one of us wants to ask the other one out. I'm just going to fucking do it. Like, I'm the girl. It's fine. Like, I'm going to do it because I'm the girl and he should be more concerned about, like, upsetting me than I am about upsetting him. So I walk into Panera, like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And there's this guy there who's almost always there when we're both, like, having our awkward encounter. I went, where's the dude? I knew his name. I'm not going to say his yeah, name. Right. Like, where's that dude? And he's looked at me. He's like, when are you two going to fuck? I'm like, I'm trying. God damn it. Like, it's not working. It's not happening. I was like, where is he? I'm going to ask him out. He's like, God, finally. He's at a different store. I'm like, are you fucking serious? He's like, yeah, he got moved to this other store that's like 40 minutes away. And I was like, okay, I made a decision. I'm going to go there once. And if he's not there that day, this is done. This is over. And he wasn't there. And I pulled up and, like, I just went, okay, just ask. Maybe he's on lunch and you, like, barely miss him. And I asked. I was like, hey, is so-and-so working? No, why? He's our manager. Do you need, are you complaining? I'm like, no, I'm leaving. I'm, not, I'm nobody. I'm fine. <laughs> Don't ask my name. Don't ask my name. <laughs> Don't tell him. Don't tell him anyone. Look for him. <laughs> You're going to see him again one day. It's going to be very strange. I'm not going to recognize him. <laughs> He's probably going to fix his fucking teeth, and I'm not going to know who he is. No hair, no teeth, I don't know. <laughs> you do know his name, though, now. I know so... his first name. I don't know his full, like, birth name. Yeah, but wouldn't it be confusing to you if somebody with red hair just came up to you and was like, oh, hey, Julie. <laughs> I mean, do you know, do you know my life? <laughs> so many, many people address me ra awkwardly, randomly. How many people with red hair do you know? I had a few stalkers, if you can recall. The one in particular was a redhead. Well, I wanted this to be the first of my, like, long list of love affair stories because this one's the one that I fucked up. <laughs> well, we already kind of started with the deli lady, although that wasn't really... Like I wouldn't call that a love story. <laughs> a dating experience, no, but you did make it very uncomfortable. I guess I flirted with her. You did make it very uncomfortable for that She wasn't uncomfortable. She loved it. I was uncomfortable. <laughs> Your relationship is not the same. No, it'll never be the same. <laughs> <laughs> I have endured her exaltation again and again whilst knowing myself to be divided from Edward forever. Believe me, Marianne, had I not been bound to silence, I could have produced proof enough of a broken heart, even for you. The Grim Reaper beckons. I feel his icy grip round my throat. This is Passion for Your Passions, where we talk about weird obsessions and hobbies that we use to distract us from the miseries of this mortal realm. I'm Julie. And I'm Krista. And today, I'm talking about authors with bad lives. 
Yeah, I think like the only way we could get more specific is when we were doing all that video game stuff went into like Alistair. I was gonna say like <laughs> if we just picked a character or like a mission, like we could just yeah. there's a quest in Mass Effect I could talk about for an hour. So like I think that's the only way we get more specific. So why'd you choose this one out of all of the topics? Okay, so I think that this particular thing hones in on a very weird part of my personality. <laughs> Which is, this whole thing, I think, is very difficult to talk about in any way that makes sense. I think part of it is, like, it has to do with celebrityism and that sort of thing. That I find it interesting when people are famous. I have this curiosity to know why and, like, what it was about them that made them famous. And I think this is part of it. And there's more about this. But authors specifically, I find interesting because I like to write. I'm a writer. Someday, you know, I would love to be an author, which I'm sure that this is a topic we're going to go on in a different podcast episode eventually. But anyway, that's a very long roundabout way of saying why this very weird topic speaks to you on this day. So this seems like a weird question. When when did this obsession start? Yeah, so that is that is a very weird thing. I think I think a lot of it goes with just how my personality is with this whole thing where I have micro obsessions and stuff. And maybe this is where it came from. I don't know, but I take a lot of things very seriously and very to heart. And I think one of them was when I was a kid. I don't remember why. I don't remember how this came up. There was something along the lines where I had to do a book report. And it was about F. Scott Fitzgerald, which really random because I'm pretty sure that this started when I was in elementary school. I don't know why they would have given me that as a topic in elementary school because dude had a fucked up life. Like it was, man, some of the facts I'm going to get into about F. Scott Fitzgerald. He was wild. Uh, I mean, you can imagine, but it kind of started there. And I think that there were other times when this came up or I would watch a movie or something that would be talking about these authors. And I just, I don't know why. For some reason, I find this particular topic very interesting. Like I said, I think it does have to do with that part of my brain where it's like, oh, I would want to be a writer. And, you know, like, I, w- I want to know why some of these people became the way that they did. And Obviously, it's a little bit more interesting if there was drama in their lives, so. Well, it's also kind of funny because you'll read about, like, veterans of World War I and II that write children's books, and you're like, how did that happen? Like, where's the correlation? (laughs) They went to war, and then they're like, I just want to forget about it. I just want to be a kid again. Like, there's interesting things in that. So I've researched, I'm more interested in child, like, children's books authors, because to me, I would hate to write a kid's book. Like, that's just, that's something that just sounds miserable. Like, it's not enticing to me whatsoever. So when I read about these, like, epic adults that wrote a book about cookies and a mouse, I'm like, but who, you could have done other things. And I'm like, what did you, <laughs> I think that's the only time I really cared. So I just find it funny that, like, an elementary schooler, like, read about this man's horrible life, even though you don't even know who I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I still, I cannot remember for the life of me why. I got assigned this because like I got assigned, 
I kind of assigned other people who were probably more appropriate for like different topics. Like I think I had to do a topic like about Woodrow Wilson, which was fine. And then I had to do a topic that was, um, oh gosh, I just forgot about it. No shit. Well, whatever. I had to do topics that were more relevant and made more sense. And I, I really on it. Oh, that's what I was going to say. I had to do one that was about Lafayette, the, you know, whole world, World War One. Mm-hmm. Not World War One. No, the... American Revolution. There you go. <laughs> American Revolution guy. Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> Hamilton. Yeah, I had to do one about him, which is weird because that came up one time on The Amazing Race, and I remember they were dropping all the clues, and I was like, shit, I am prepared. <laughs> I <know this. laughs> Lafayette. Slumdog millionaire moment. <laughs> yeah, My that... life has built me to this. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so who are we starting with? Who's Who's opening up? Okay, yeah, so that's kind of this next part. We're going to talk about a few people that I like in particular. Like, these are probably the ones where, when I'm talking about this, I'm referring to them the most. So, I think the first one that I want to mention is just one that probably everybody knows, which is J.K. Rowling. So, there's a lot of things about J.K. Rowling that I've always found interesting, particularly in regards to the Harry Potter books. Most of the people that I'm talking about on this list, they also are kind of interesting because their grief they particularly put into their books. Like, their books are very much about their lives in a way. Obviously, that's not really true of J.K. Rowling. She's not an 11-year-old <laughs> boy with a scar and <laughs> strangely shaped glasses. But I know that she made Dementors particularly because... She had a few bouts of really bad depression. And so Dementors are supposed to, like, specifically be about depression. Like, if you read about them, they, like, they'll talk about, oh, you know, you can't feel any happiness. Like, it's impossible. They suck it out of you. And so that one I've always thought was interesting. There's also Rita Skeeter. Rita Skeeter, I think she basically wrote because at the time the media was like really involved in her life and they were being very snoopy and mean and all this stuff. So she made this character to be like, hey, back off. <laughs> I know Hagrid's another character that she met in person. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was just reading about that. Yeah. yeah she, she met Hagrid like at a bar, essentially. There's this big brooding dude with all these tattoos and she's like, oh, God, he's really intimidating. And then he spent, like, an hour talking to her about his gardens. And I was like, yeah. oh, man, that is Hagrid. <laughs> and I want to say, too, that Umbridge is like that, too. I, I I might have to look into this more. But I want to say that there was something where, because she has kids. So I think, like, there was something where she was trying to, like, teach her kids something and had, like, a lot of backlash from schooling systems. And so that was kind of how Umbridge came to be. So this is kind of just, like, a mild... For easing you in <laughs> into this, because like I said, you know, hers isn't. It's not direct. Whereas some of these people, they are very direct. So let's get into the biggest one. So F. Scott Fitzgerald, the man who started it all for me, for what a weird guy. <laughs> what a man <laughs> with a just a totally fucked up life. Okay, so first of all, some weird facts just to kind of like start off with with F. Scott Fitzgerald. First of all, he is related to Francis Scott Key. So, like, the guy who wrote our national anthem. Also, he named his daughter, essentially, F. Scott Fitzgerald. So, I don't know what's up with this family and that name. Very bizarre to me. Oh, and then the other one that I thought was really weird, just, like, backstory stuff on him. 
is that he had a cousin who was hanged for conspiring to kill Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> pretty dramatic. <laughs> yeah, he's a pretty bizarre guy. So I think for me, particularly the one that most people would know about, the one that I'm going to be talking about is The Great Gatsby. And there's a lot of parallels between The Great Gatsby and his actual life. So like, one of them was that he loved a very rich girl. Her name was Geneva, Geneva King. Um, he loved her until he died, apparently. Like, I think when they broke off their engagement or whatever, he told her to burn all of her letters, but then he kept all of her letters until he died, and then they were given back to her and stuff. So it's very interesting. But basically, he couldn't marry her. It, it kind of, it really is kind of Great Gatsby. It's like she was too rich and he was too poor. So he was told, no, you cannot marry her. You know Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> yeah, so this isn't going to work. <laughs> so then he joined the army, but he didn't fight in the war, which is very interesting that this happens to people. I don't really know why this is like a common occurrence. It's like, I'm going to join the army, but just like hang around. Um, and so while he was in the army, he met Zelda Sayre, which Zelda Sayre was like the big woman through his life. This was actually the person who he married she had a lot of problems, but one of the things that's kind of weird about Zelda particularly is so, you know, the legend of Zelda, Zelda is named after this Zelda, which <laughs> I find very interesting <laughs> that that happened. I don't really think that she did anything all that particular. I think like she came from a somewhat wealthy family, but... F. Scott was definitely, he was the writer. He was the author. He was, like, the one trying to make the money. She did, like, some things. I think, like, she danced and, like, she occasionally dabbled in things. But I don't know. I just, I do find that interesting, that Legend of Zelda. They're like, yeah, we're just gonna name it after this random flapper girl from the <laughs> 1920s who didn't do a lot. And honestly, she has uh, some interesting moments later on. One of the things that's also interesting about Zelda is... So when she has her daughter, the the other F. Scott, <laughs> that they just keep reusing this name, basically said the same quote that goes into Great Gatsby. So it's this quote that's, I hope it's beautiful and a fool. A beautiful little fool. She literally yeah, said that. That's what Daisy says, right? Yeah, Daisy says that. And that was what she said. Apparently she was like pretty doped up when she said it. <laughs> As but... <you> should be. <laughs> but yeah, so there's... There's a lot of this stuff that he very obviously took from his his own life and put into Great Gatsby. From there, because I think I think kind of after this point, uh, his life kind of really started to fall apart. I think it was kind of falling apart before that because you know this is like 1920s ish, the flapper era, and all of that kind of stuff. He was a big partier. He was a big drinker and man that, like, carried through the rest of his life. He really just kind of never got over that. And it started to have a lot of problems later on in his life. Uh, his marriage failed for a lot of, really a lot of reasons. I mean, drinking was part of it. Part of it was that in her later life, Zelda seemed to have schizophrenia. So she did a lot of just very wild things and would call him out on certain things. And actually, one of my other favorite facts, which is what kind of makes me laugh that 
when I was a kid, my teacher made me do a book report on this. Was So he was friends with Ernest Hemingway, um, F. Scott Fitzgerald was. And so Zelda basically said they spent too much time together. She called him a homosexual. <laughs> and he got really offended by this. And so he went and got a prostitute and had sex with a prostitute to prove that he wasn't a Boom. homosexual. He's gay now. <laughs> and she got really pissed off about it, obviously. But this is like, I'm not a homosexual. I'll show you. No, that makes me think of a post I saw that earlier today where it was basically like someone says something in the lines of if you want a masculine woman then you might as well just be gay and someone wrote finally they made heterosexuality gay (laughs) they made liking girls gay (laughs) they did it yeah and it's just it's why i mean show you gay (laughs) i I don't even know what to say i mean like i said the marriage just it fell apart it wasn't great I mean, it would, from what I can tell, it doesn't seem like it was great on either side. And, like, especially because, like, eventually with her schizophrenia, she kept having kind of, like, episodes where, you know, she'd go really off the walls and stuff. She basically ended her life being in a mental institution for, like, a very long period of time. Like, after a certain point, her and F. Scott Fitzgerald just, like, did not see each other anymore. And I want to say it was, like, a 10-year-long period. Like, they were still married and, you know, still had a kid, I guess. I don't know, like, what was happening to their kid during all of these situations. (laughs) Maybe this was, like, around the time of boarding schools. I don't know. They spent, like, 10 years not talking and then she basically died in the mental institution. And that was, that was kind of it. I think he died before her, though. But, but like, of alcoholism, (laughs) essentially. (laughs) I'm still just trying to picture, like, 10-year-old you trying to explain F. Scott Fitzgerald screwed a prostitute to prove he wasn't gay. <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine, like, uh, from a 10-year-old mind, like, what what happened here? <laughs> I'm, if I'm gonna guess, I probably didn't read about that part. I probably just read about all the stuff with Zelda and their lives and them loving each other and this other girl, Geneva King, and all that. I probably didn't get to the part about the prostitute. Or if you did, you're just like, what? (laughs) Well, there's, like, even, there's other stuff, too, that was wild about it. Because, like I said, they had a very rocky marriage. So I think there was, like, at one point, Zelda essentially had fallen in love with another guy. I think he was a pilot or something. She got to a point where she basically went to F. Scott and was like, hey, I'm gonna go be with this dude. Like, I don't love you anymore. I don't want to be with you. And, you know, 1920s. He locked her in her room for six weeks until she changed her mind. Damn. I didn't necessarily say that these were good people. <laughs> good times, good Although, times. to be fair, Edgar Allan Poe is weirder. But she is on the list. He is on the list. <laughs> so I think that's kind of it for F. Scott Fitzgerald. But he was the one who started it. Just in the timeline. In, in Krista's life. She's <laughs> the, the first one where I was like, whoa. And he wrote books and stuff. And made money and stuff. Well, it sounds like you're not so fixated on them being an author who happens to have a shitty life. Is You like the idea of them putting their life into their books. You like the contrast. You like to be like, how'd you think of that? Oh, it's because you're an alcoholic. <laughs> Alcoholism. <laughs> Alcoholism, that's the key. <laughs> Your wife had schizophrenia. <laughs> that's why that person was so diverse in personality. <laughs> like, That's why I think you're trying to like figure out a puzzle. Like You're trying to find all the pieces from their life to make the puzzle that is the book they wrote. 
Yeah, I mean, I think parts of that are interesting, but I also just, I find it kind of fascinating. It's especially, like, it's weird with stuff that's, like, creative, because F. Scott Fitzgerald, he made money from this. Like, he lived his life this way, and, you know, it worked for him, and it's just, it's kind of bizarre to me. Like, it's bizarre to me to think of somebody who is so broken. Like, he just, he could barely function, you know? He was, he drank constantly. And yet he wrote these glorious books. Yeah, he wrote these books. He did it. It worked for him. Yeah, so. we just struggle. <laughs> yeah, we just... Like, how's this fair? We have perfectly sane lives. <laughs> Maybe you need the trauma. You need it to be your breakaway to make the only thing in your life that's not chaotic. Yeah, so, okay, so here's a small rant for me. I knew it. I knew I could pull it out of you. <laughs> I was, like, trying to say the right thing. I knew the rant. <laughs> so, my whole thing is, I love art. I love creativity. I love all of this. But one of the things that really irritates me about art is this viewpoint of it takes trauma to make art and like that's the only way because for example okay I, I watched this thing a long time ago that was about rent and like talking about rent like that and I actually really can't watch rent anymore because it kind of makes me mad that that's like that's like one of the big points in rent I have to suffer for my art. Like, that's the only way I can do it. Like, don't talk to your parents or friends and family. Like, you have to go and you have to be a struggling artist in order for it to be validated. I was like, no, 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 no. That's not the way art works. Like, yeah, you can have traumatic art. I'm proving it right here and now. (laughs) But also, I think that there's ways to have art that is joy, to have art that's happiness and that comes from a good place. You know, like think about like somebody like Bob Ross. I was literally going to be like happy little trees. (laughs) Yeah, like he made art and people cared about it and people like him for that. So I'm not saying that traumatic art and sad art and depressed art don't exist. I'm just saying I think there's all kinds of art and I think it's fine. And if you don't want to be a depressed artist, then don't. (laughs) You don't have to do it in order to create good art. (laughs) Yeah, you don't have to live on the streets and be struggling and having a bad life. It's like, no, you can take care of yourself, get a job, and, you know, do art on the side. I mean, okay, like I said, also, there is such a thing as traumatic art, and if you want to live that life, that's fine. Just don't think it's the only option. (laughs) Don't be pretentious about it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so the next one that I want to talk about is Jane Austen. Uh, So Jane Austen's kind of a weird one for me. I don't think that I had a lot of experience with Jane Austen when I was in school. I probably read Pride and Prejudice. Actually, I think my first thing was that I watched Pride and Prejudice, which I think the first time I watched it, I hated it. (laughs) Just as an aside. Okay, this is a controversial topic. Which version are you talking about? The Keira Knightley version. I actually watched it in theaters and I was fairly young I would say 13 something like that and I think I think for me it was just kind of at a time where I just didn't really get it it I love them now and actually this is kind of a weird fact about me but I probably watch Sense and Sensibility and Pride and Prejudice about once a year well what's really funny is the other version, which I think has, um, what's his name? It's not Colin Firth. No, it is. Oh, it is? Oh, yeah. Colin I Firth. always mix them up with the other Collins. That's why I never know. Yeah. Okay. So the version with Colin Firth is apparently the true version. My friend, she's like a historic 
reenactment person and all this other stuff. And I was telling her I was watching Pride and Prejudice, the Keira Knightley one. And she about ripped my goddamn head off. I was like, what? But I explained to her. I was like, do you know why I enjoy movies? And she's like, what do you mean? It's like, I enjoy this movie because they literally take the time to just be like, look at the landscape. (laughs) They literally take these moments where he's just walking in a field and it's like misty and amazing. I'm like, it's that and the music. I love the soundtrack to Pride and Prejudice, that version. I was like, I don't give a shit what's going on. I think the story as a whole is kind of dumb. I'm like, because I'm not a romantic at heart. So to me, I'm just watching it for the pretty colors and the beautiful music. (laughs) And she's like, okay, you get a pass, but everybody else can burn in hell that likes that version better. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Okay. So now, you know, you're going to get some hate. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I get it. I, but here's the thing, actually, and this, maybe this will surprise people. I watch like all the versions. Um, I don't necessarily watch all of them every year. But I I will watch all of them. I have watched the Colin Firth one. I think there's another one. I don't remember what the time. I want to say like it happened in between the Colin Firth one and the Kira Knightley one. I've watched that one before. I think I like the one, that in-between one, the best. Because the thing about the Kira Knightley version is it ends up being kind of short. They ended up, like, taking out a lot of things, and so, like, you miss some backstory points where it kind of, like, makes some things make more sense. But one thing I will say about that, which you can tell your friend or have your friend watch this, that said the guy who made the Kira Knightley version, one of the things that he said, and, and I think that this is what she's talking about, is so in the Colin Firth version... It's in a, it's like basically set in a different time period. I, I don't remember exactly what it's called, but in that time period, they wore a certain kind of dress. It was basically like the big, like the ones that like start like here, kind of below the breast line. And it's like very billowy, that kind of dress. And so he changed, for the Kara Knightley version, he changed the time period to a later time period called the Regency era, which is generally what we think about when we think about British movies and that kind of time period. And he changed it to that because it was a different kind of dress. And he was basically like, that other time period, dresses are ugly. (laughs) I hate those dresses. (laughs) And he wanted to have basically the nicer kind of more, I guess it's more like A-line is the way you would think about it. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, so he made a point to piss my friend off. Yeah, he made a point to piss your friend off because he was like, "I hate empire style dresses." So I, that I will was... undo it in my version. I thought that was so funny, but yeah, I've I've basically watched all of the Pride and Prejudices, all of the Sense and Sensibilities, and probably, and I think I've watched all of the Emmas. I have read Persuasion before. I I think I might have maybe one time watched one of the Persuasions, but it was weird. And I think I've watched um, Mansfield Park. That's what it's called. That's the other one that I've seen, which I like Mansfield Park. Mansfield Park is pretty good. But anyway, Jane Austen. <laughs> anyway, Jane Austen. I mean, you know, it's fine. To be fair, we got to talk about her a little bit. I do really like Jane Austen. I like the wit of her. Like, she, her stuff is very witty. Like, especially her, if you get Pride and Prejudice, it's very readable, like even the subtext of it, because it's the snap and the way that people will talk to each other and the way that people will retort each other. And it's like all very well thought out. What's What I think is very interesting, though, about Jane Austen is she writes like all of these very romantic stories. And a lot of them are romantic stories with 
two sisters or two people who are very close together and they find love and, you know, they, they get the guy and they have all the happiness and all this stuff. That wasn't her life. She never married. She had at least one engagement that was known of, but she might have had two. It's appeared that she was maybe in love with a guy, kind of a la Darcy and Elizabeth, where he was much more wealthy than she was, and that was kind of why it was put down. But a lot of her life is kind of shrouded in mystery. It does seem, a la Hamilton, a lot of her letters were burned by her sister to keep her privacy. It's kind of known that she was around and there's like kind of these stories from her family, but you don't really get a lot of very particular things about her life. I mean, you know, she was, what, like the 1600s? It's something like that. So, I mean, it's a long time ago and it's, it gets harder, especially when somebody burns all your letters to be like, well, I suspect that I they hope, were here. <laughs> I hope that you burn. It's just going to be stuck in my head. One of the other things, too, that was known about this that I guess that I'll mention is, so the whole thing about, like, two sisters or, like, two friends or whatever. Well, she was very close with her sister. Uh, I think she lived a lot of her life with her sister. Her sister also never married either. But what was kind of interesting about that was that she had fallen in love with a guy. They were going to be married, but then he, like, died in the military. And then she never ended up marrying. So it's just, to me, like, the whole thing about that is just, I don't know, I guess, like, the wish fulfillment of it. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say exactly what she was feeling or, you know, who she was and what she was like. Because, like I said, there's not a huge amount of record of it just because they burned so many letters and things. So her books are... Less about her life and more about the life she wishes she had, maybe? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's probably spatterings. I'm sure I'm sure some of it is probably stuff that she experienced. But it is, it's hard to say exactly, besides some of the few things that I've pointed out. But it is just, it's just interesting to me. It's interesting that you have this person who basically made seven books that are still to this day very well-loved. And they're, you know, considered, I'm, I'm pretty sure pretty much all of them are romance books. There might be one or two that aren't. But she didn't really, you know, get a happy ending. Her sister didn't really get that happy ending. Or not at least in the traditional sense. So, hmm. I don't know. It's interesting to me. A little sad. Yeah. But, I mean, she she actually did pretty well, I think, with it. I think... I'm sure she probably got more money, like, after she passed away, but, like, she did actually sell her books, and, like, she made a fair enough living off of it. I mean, I don't think she was, like, particularly wealthy, but, you know, especially a lady for that time. Yeah. Spinster. She did pretty well. So, yeah, that's Jane Austen. I watch a lot of movies, too, funny enough. Something you might not know about me, as I enjoy those movies as well. But as I've mentioned, it's not usually for the actual reason that I'm supposed to enjoy them. And that happens a lot with me. Like, do you read a lot of romances or is it literally just like Jane Austen was when you liked? Um, I don't know. So I will from time to time, like I told you, I read the the Southern Vampires, so uh, True Blood. Yeah. I read about three of them. See, I don't know. I like a certain kind of romance and I think... Look, I could have a whole nother rant about this. I really... So, you know, like, with movies, right? 
how movies will put like this is what it's rated for and they'll like tell you they're like books there's don't. blood <laughs> yeah, you don't get that with books like you just get like a very vague this is romance it's like well what kind like what kind of flavor am i gonna get because i don't want to read like full-on erotica it's all softcore <laughs> porn <laughs> i don't want to read no, we have the same problem because, like, I told you I was, like, writing a book and I was like, I shouldn't add a romance to it. But since I'm not a romantic person, I'm like, okay, how do you study for that? Oh, you read books and stuff. And so I was just reading these, like, mini stories online and, like, doing all this stuff. And every single goddamn time, it would just turn into softcore porn. And I'm like, is it all just softcore porn? I'm like, what? Why? I don't, I don't need any of this. Like, I just want, like, the romance. I want the, like, companionship. Yeah. It's not fair, but when I worked at Amazon, we got so many romance books, and like, you either read the softcore porn where it's just secretive and you don't know that it's in there, or you straight up read porn. Yeah. <laughs> like, I could I could spot those books, and I'd be like, all right, I'm gonna find the sex scene. One shot, one shot. You always go to the middle and a little to the left, and then <laughs> yeah, and I would read it out loud until someone physically stopped me. <laughs> And we had one that was about Sasquatch. Oh my god. That was so good. Someone stopped me too soon. Because like, it was describing him. I was like, I need this in my life right now. Like, and I, the, it's not that I'm disapprove or like, Chris is dying. It's not that I disapprove or like, am a shr- like, shr- oh, what's the word? A prude or anything like that. I just find it humorous. I don't get turned on or like, I don't know what's supposed to do to me, but it just makes me laugh. And then I feel stupid because I'm like, why am I laughing at the idea that Sasquatch would have a rocket crotch? I'm like, I don't know why. (laughs) Well, definitely some of them are bad. And I have read some of those. I think, I think True Blood was probably about my limit. Because, like, I can handle it, but I can only handle it to a certain point. Because then after that, I'm like, this is too much. <laughs> I can't read this book anymore. Like, it just, I can't. Like, I mean, cause, like, to go on kind of, like, a softer level of this, I had problems reading Game of Thrones because of this. Because, so, like, one of the problems I personally have with books, I sometimes have this problem with movies, is that I put myself in the head of the character. So the problem that I had with Game of Thrones was Danny. it oh my god, <laughs> it gets so rough. And there's there's so much I don't know if everybody knows this. Probably nobody cares anymore, but in the books, like they're a lot younger. So yeah. like Danny is Danny's like, like twelve. Isn't she's she? like thirteen. Yeah. And so some of her stuff when she's with the Dothraki or even with it's her brother. Rough. It was weird just reading about her brother and her. Yeah, I mean that part was weird, but then like it gets, <laughs> to, it the, gets to the Dothraki <laughs> stuff, and it's like this thirteen-year-old girl, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is a lot. Uh, anyway, so that's kind of all of the opinions about that I have with romance books. So I mean, you know, if somebody can tell me what's the code. How do I crack this How do this we find a because... romance book that's not softcore porn or porn? <laughs> you know what? That should be the title. <laughs> Can we, Nate? We're going to write a book. Finally, a romance book no. that's not softcore porn. No, I mean, that should On be the, the title. title. <laughs> find me a book that's not softcore porn. <laughs> do it right now. <laughs> Your 
permission. Find me a book that's not softcore porn. Well, because the other one that I have problems with is actually fantasy. Well, it's either like really dramatic where it's like they don't even do any more than kiss. Like they'll just have a kiss and they're like, oh my God, I'm going to talk about it for a whole chapter. Or are they extreme? Which was funny. The Legend of Drizzt by R.A. Salvador. My mom was listening to the tapes of them. And I like I read these books back in high school. And so she started telling me about it. She's like, yeah, I'm reading these books. And I was like, oh, what book are you on? And then she's like, book three. And I went, oh, God, that's the one that broke my heart. And I was like, so we're kind of talking about it. And finally, she gets late in the season. She's like, when are they going to fucking bang? She's like, why does nobody have sex in this book? And I was like, they're nerds, mother. I'm like, they don't know how to do that. It's not your romance novels up in here. And she's like, they don't even, like, they just, they keep talking as if they're going to have sex. And they just keep frustratingly not doing anything. <laughs> well, what I was going to say, too, just to kind of end this, and then we'll stop with Edgar Allan Poe, is I have the same problem with fantasy books. Is So when I was a kid, which I, I don't think we haven't talked about this at this point, I used to read a lot. Like, I would go to the library. Like, I would read all kinds of books, like, all the time, constantly. And I kind of fell out of that a little bit. But now the problem that I have is whenever I pick up a book, particularly if it's a fantasy book, it, like, has a 50-50 chance. Like, I'm either going to like it and I'll actually finish it. That doesn't even necessarily mean that I'll 100% approve of it. It just means I'll actually finish it. Or I'll just hate it. And then I won't finish reading it. And it sucks because I love fantasy. Like, I care about it a lot. But I just, I struggle with figuring out how to find a fantasy book anymore. I just, I don't know what to do. And I think part of the problem is, it's like adult fantasy kind of gets into this realm where it's just super depressing. And that's fine. I don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with that. But that's not always the reason why I want to read a book. Like, I don't want to read a book. And especially because fantasies, oh my gosh, they're so long. Like, you know, like a thousand pages or whatever. It's like, man, if I wanted to devote this long to something... I can't just be depressed for a thousand pages. I just can't do that. You gotta have a comic relief guy. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta have that guy that just breaks up the moment. I'm your guy. (laughs) So everybody, find me a book that's not softcore porn. (laughs) And isn't just a depressing (laughs) fantasy and nothing else. (laughs) All right. So, so yeah, let's end on a real depressing note. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) On Edgar Allan Poe. So I think Edgar Allan Poe is probably the original, probably everybody kind of knows, yeah, about this guy. For him, this is another one where I just honestly, I just think it's kind of interesting, especially because he didn't get famous until pretty much after he died. And also, one of the things that's very interesting about him, and I don't think I realized this as much as when I was a kid, is that he was kind of an ass, honestly. Like, I mean, F. Scott Fitzgerald, too, but, like, there was a lot of things going on with F. Scott Fitzgerald where it just, honestly, with Edgar Allan Poe, it just, he seemed like he had a lot of problems, even from a young age. Because I was telling Julie that one of the facts that surprised me is, like F. Scott Fitzgerald, he ended up in the military. But I want to say he was, like, 18 or 19 when he did And the basic driving force as to why that happened was because he was in so much gambling debt. And I was like, he's 19. (laughs) How on earth did he do that? I mean, okay, I get that laws and stuff were different because 
Uh, I should have looked this up, but I want to say he was like 1700s, 1800s was Edgar Allan Poe. So, you know, he probably could have gambled at a younger age. I'm not saying that he couldn't have. But like, th this was like the thing that always amazes me because this was like the same thing with Hamilton. Was like, he was like running a trading company when he was 13 years old. And I'm like, how do you trust people <laughs> with these decisions, <laughs> with money, you know, <laughs> all this kind of stuff to make that much of a mistake? Oh, and your lifespan's only to age 30. You know, you're a third of the way through your life at 10. <laughs> I mean, he had a lot of things in his life. I mean, basically everybody that he ever loved died, particularly women. His mother, his adoptive mother, his wife. I think his mother and his wife both died of tuberculosis, which is why a lot of people think that in his writings, there does tend to be this kind of element of like a dead woman, and there's often a lot of blood. They think that that's why it's kind of hard to say, especially because his life was a mess. So I'm not really sure how much of his life was actually coherent to that capacity. The other thing I was going to say. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was <laughs> continuously talking about how he just kind of was a shitty person. I think the other thing that really kind of exemplifies this is that when he was 27, he decided to marry his 13-year-old cousin. My Annabelle Lee. <laughs> and I think he basically faked her documents and stuff, saying that she was 21. <laughs> so. And then wrote a poem about it. It's pretty, legit. Pretty rough. <laughs> I mean, you know, and see, this is the thing. Just kind of, you know, to wrap all of this in a pretty bow. Because I think a lot of people have a lot of opinions about authors and creativity and all of this kind of stuff. And this has been the thing that's been coming up more recently, you know, with like cancel culture and all that kind of stuff. I tend to, if I like something, I just like it. And I put everything all else bad shit in aside. A box. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. It's hard. And I get it. I, I understand why people react the way they do. I'm not saying that I don't. It's just, for me, there's already so much stuff that's, like, bad in the world. It's like, if I enjoy something and something's making me happy, I don't just want to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. It's just, my brain just doesn't work that way. It's like, if this is making me happy and this is bringing me joy, I'm just going to take all that other stuff <laughs> and put it away <laughs> and keep enjoying the thing that's making me joy. Well, I figured, like, everyone has a different line there because I've had, like, debates with people over this because there's so many topics to be careful about and so on and so forth. So someone was talking about the show Rick and Morty and how they'll never watch that show because the creator is created... He made a video that made it seem like he was obviously a pedophile. Like, it was a... I do not understand what happened. Let me just say that. But essentially, they were calling the creator, like, a terrible person. And they're like, yeah, I would never watch Rick and Morty because I don't support that. I'm like, so... Even if I felt that way, like, let's say I'm like, oh, yeah, he's a terrible person, which I honestly don't know he could be. I'm not just supporting him. I'm supporting, like, everybody that's on that show. I'm watching the show. It's not like I'm putting money in a fund for him to go be a terrible person. I'm literally, like, it doesn't matter what I do. Like, mm -hmm. I'm just watching his show. It's fine. And I pirate it. Who cares? Like, I'm not giving him any money. But then there's things like Chick-fil-A. I used to eat Chick-fil-A. And then people would tell me, like, you know, oh, they're against gay people. I'm like, well, they can have an opinion. I'm not... How's me eating a chicken sandwich really going to fucking change that? But then I found out that they, like, 
or allegedly, I'll say that, allegedly they like Honda campaign to like actively go and attack like homosexuals in another country. Like they actively fund that. My money for my chicken sandwich does actually go there. <laughs> like, right. So to me, that's the line. I'm like, all right, now I'm actually like right. part of the problem for real. It's not like this distance. Just like when people are like, oh, do you know about the Lovecraft like author? I'm like, I don't, I do. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't affect the work. The author is not the work necessarily. Like, and also they're, if they're dead, you're not really yeah. perpetuating anything. Like that's just part yeah, of it. Yeah, that was like what I was going to say is like, they're dead. So like, if you want to read uh, Great Gatsby, if you want to read The Raven, you know, they're, they're dead. You're not, you're not supporting them. Because, like, I know there was something that came out recently with Dr. Seuss. And, like, I, I understand, like, what ended up happening. Because, they like, he had some books that were kind of offensive. A oh, okay. Not kind of offensive. I'm Real sorry. Offensive. Very offensive. <laughs> and so they stopped putting them in publication. Or, I don't know. I'm Honestly, I'm kind of surprised if they were still putting them in publication. But they, they did something about it. They made it so that way they can't be sold anymore. And, you know, I think that was the right thing to do. And, you know, again, like, Dr. Seuss is dead. So, I mean, yeah, you can stop reading those books to your children. I mean, I guess that's kind of the thing about Dr. Seuss, because I don't feel like people who are our age are just reading for the new one to drop. (laughs) Just reading Dr. Seuss casually. (laughs) Yeah, well, I think what's even funnier about the Dr. Seuss thing, not that we're going to get into all this, is that they were like, those books weren't selling anyway. Like, they weren't really even making them a publication anyway. They literally just made an announcement to be like, hey, everybody, we're really inclusive and great, and we're not going to do this anymore. And everybody was in the software, and they're like, we weren't doing it anyway! <laughs> Why are you mad? <laughs> we just decided to tell you we weren't. <laughs> yeah. Like, nobody bought, like, the books they're talking about, I don't think I've ever read. Like, I, I recognize one of the pictures, like, in passing from when I had, like, probably a big book of Dr. Seuss, but, like, they're they're stories I don't know, and they're stories I'm sure nobody that's complaining ever yeah. fucking knew. <laughs> they're just complaining to complain. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, I mean, I think that we should try to be good people and, like, do better things in the future. And that I'm, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that. It's just, you know, if something brings me joy, I'm going to just keep letting it bring me joy because, I don't know. There's already so much negativity just in everything in itself all the time. And I'm already a pretty negative person. <laughs> so the negative Nellies over here. <laughs> I might as well take the thing that makes me smile and at least let it. Because I don't know. I don't want to be one of these people who never does anything and never enjoys anything. And, you know, again, like, I don't want to say that, like, we shouldn't improve and we shouldn't be better people. Because I do agree with that. It's just also... I don't know. I think, like, for me, at least, that could become a slippery slope. Yeah. Of just, like, well, I'm just not gonna like anything. Well, what's even funnier to me is, from this argument, it sounds like we're those people that are mad about cancel culture. When 100% Chris and I are not. <laughs> when anytime we read those, we're like, oh, okay. Like, I didn't care about that anyway. <laughs> because it was weird. <laughs> and so it's always funny that, like, sitting here now, we're like, yeah, we... If we enjoy it, just let us enjoy it. But, I mean, nobody's really attacking Lovecraft at the moment, so I think I'm fine. And and I just said I don't need a Chick-fil-A anymore, and that's the only thing I think I've stopped, where I was like, I was like, all right, I'll give up my fucking chicken sandwiches, I guess, for the the gays. Yeah, (laughs) no, and and like I said, I I do care about people, and I think people definitely have their right to their opinion, and that's definitely not what I'm saying at all. If you think that something's fucked up, 
then shout it to the rooftops. <laughs> you tell me that. that it's fucked up. I probably do still want to know. <laughs> I still, I'm curious. I want to know. Yeah. It's just like those videos where it's like, don't watch this. This is horrible. And I'm like, I gotta know. <laughs> or when someone's like, yeah, that video I saw is terrible. I think I've seen every terrible video that's on the internet that's ever become popular just because I'm like, I got to know. I can't, then I hurt. I don't necessarily regret it. I mean, I do, but like, it's where the, like, I don't regret it enough not to keep doing this thing that I'm doing where I have to know what horrible things lurk out there. <laughs> but yeah, we're not, we're, we're good people here, regardless of what we listen to. Or what we seem like, I don't know. I mean, I think we seem like good people. I should hope I could so. be wrong about that. But I feel I... like all I do is rage. So I just seem like a monster, which is. No, I think we just like me. to talk about things that are interesting. I think that's how we always end up on this. Is we're like, oh, well, let's talk about this. And I don't know why it's always on my episodes. I don't know why it's like I bring that out in you. <laughs> I'm trying to bring it out in you, so I think it's me actively trying to bring it out in you that just amplifies. Because <laughs> we got very political in chemistry. <laughs> we did. <laughs> and also, I got kind of political in TV comedy, so maybe this is just me. I mean, I'm the rage bringer here. Like, I remember when I was like, yes, it's time for Chris's rage. You're like, well, okay. I'm like, what the hell was that? Where's, where's the fire? <laughs> My rage is brought with onslaughts. Let's do this. <laughs> I have, I had some rage. I have rage earlier. What did I rage, rage What did I rage about? Well, I got you to rage oh, about rage- the tragic artist doesn't yeah, have to be tragic. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that does piss me off. I know it does. <laughs> That's why I was like, come on. Poke, poke, poke the poke. bear. Poke the Krista. Get the rage out. Okay, well, I think that that's enough of uh, my very weird topic about troubled author wives and people and stuff and things. Did you have any other potential secret questions or things, or is this over? I feel like after this episode, people are going to want a Chick-fil-A sandwich and then feel really bad about it. Because <laughs> you know how it is, you say it, and then they're like, God, that sounds good. Uh, I can't have it, though. No. Uh, the cycle has been had broken. for years. I'm so proud of myself. Yeah, well, I don't eat chicken. Yeah, I know you don't. So it's not, it's not a strong feat for you. Who cares about you? <laughs> I, I suffered. I... My art matters more. <laughs> My sacrifice is greater. <laughs> That's why I learned this episode. This was Passion for Your Passions with Krista and Julie, where we talked about authors of bad lives. next time in the next place in the next soundcloud in the future (laughs) we're gonna be talking about lilo and stitch you thought we were specific today now we're just talking about one goddamn movie no it would be like if we were just talking about stitch (laughs) that's even more specific i feel like that's too much (laughs) too much